At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're excited to speak with Ingrid Gale, founder and CEO of STEM the Gap Academy, based in Ottawa. What started with a game of chess has ignited a movement and a revolution that young girls today need more than ever. Ingrid is empowering girls to level up and grow resilient enough to smash through the glass ceilings that have long kept them out of science, technology, and engineering fields. STEM the Gap Academy is on a mission to eliminate that gender gap by teaching girls chess, math, science, and digital skills. I love organizations that use testimonials, and I'm delighted to see on the STEM the Gap Academy website that uh, a very satisfied client named Aaron says the instruction is fun and engaging without being intimidating or overwhelming. Sounds like something I could have used when I was studying math. Ingrid, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we're, we're delighted to have you here. Um, before we get into STEM the Gap and your story, what is the top piece of advice that you hope entrepreneurs will take away from our conversation today? I have a piece of advice. I don't know, honestly, um, how to answer that question. I do have, though, something that I find as an entrepreneur that is really important. I've had, this is like my fourth business. Um, so I've been doing this for a while, and there is one key piece of advice I'd love to share with entrepreneurs, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, as an entrepreneur, when you when you're starting your journey, you're very excited about your idea, and you might converse with somebody and say, okay, like we're going to do this and we're going to do that. You know, you get very excited about your idea and what you can do, and you know, in chess, for example, there's strategy and there's tactics. And a lot of entrepreneurs fall into the tactics of how they're going to do things. But the strategy, the planning is the most important, or it's not, it's not the most, it's just, it's as important that you have strategy, your plan, 
and tactics of how you're going to do it. So when I started this business out of, you know, having the experience of my previous business, I really um, started that way. I had a plan (laughs) for the first time. And that has been um, an incredible benefit. So the, I mean, and that's great. Thank you for that thought. Um, so the the previous three businesses, you had tactics. You knew what you wanted to do, but not necessarily how I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was tactics. It was purely tactic. <laughs> no plan. <laughs> and how does that uh, impair the entrepreneur if, if they're going into it without that kind of overarching plan? Because then it's like, where are you going? where are you going? Right. It's like, I know how to drive. I know how to stop. I know how to turn, but where are you going? Like that's, that's very important to know. What is the goal? It's a a wonderful question too. So stem the gap started with a game of chess and then it's come into a, a lot more. Can you take us back to the beginning and, and maybe tell us about, one or one or two of those early businesses, and then tell us how you got into in, in, into teaching and stem the gap. Ooh, my early so my earlier businesses. Um, I I'm a personal trainer. I don't practice currently, but I uh, lived in New York City for a little while, and I opened up a personal training studio. So I was a sole proprietor and. Uh, I did that for many years, and then I opened up a yoga studio, which was a block away. So I did those two things for quite a number of years, Uh, and then I came back to Canada, and um, I became a mother, and I developed, or I want to say developed because baby carriers have been around for thousands of years, but I created a nice innovation on a baby carrier to ensure that babies were are carried properly. Uh, there's a lot of baby carriers out there that don't support the developing spine and hips of babies. And having that biomechanical knowledge as a personal trainer, I saw that there were a lot of carriers that don't support the growth. And so I developed a carrier that's on the market. It's called Helena Baby. Um, and I did that for, as a mother, because I was a mother and that because I was carrying, I was very into that. But then, um, as my daughter got older, a friend of mine gave my daughter a chessboard for a gift. And by the way, that's a really great gift. If you ever have like a child's party that you want to go to and you're like, oh, what to get them, you know, just check in and see if they have a chessboard. Um, because that's what was given to my daughter. Look where I am because of this chessboard. So, <laughs> so we now I see where where my, where I went wrong with my kids. <laughs> someone got someone at a birthday party. My my elder, elder daughter got a game of dinosaur checkers. The checkers were in the shape of dinosaurs, and they loved that. Those darn dinosaurs kept them moving on to chess. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so. Uh, we started to learn together. I never played chess. I was never introduced to chess, never grew up anything. Like I never, I knew what the game was, but I never played it. 
And so this was my first introduction to it. And uh, my daughter and I, at that time, I was homeschooling my daughter as well. So and how old is she when she started to play chess? She was like five, five or six. I'm sorry. One thing, I am horrible with time. But she was young because she started school in, she went to school in grade seven. So yeah, we were about, she was about five or six years old. And, um, and we started to learn together. And what I loved is just like right in front of my eyes, watching her learn the game, you know, test is kind of like tangible. You can see the learning right in front of your eyes as the, as the children start to understand how to play. And I started to learn quickly. And then I saw a ad asking for chess teachers to teach children chess. And I was like, Hmm. Could I really do that? I'm not a grandmaster or nothing like that. But then it is children. Like, how much do they really know? Do they know more than me? You know, that whole imposter syndrome. I don't want to go in a class where like a six-year-old's like knows way more than me. But I was like, you know what? Let's just try. What have you got to lose? So I I went for the interview and I was like, right out, right away, I was like, I'm not a grandmaster. I just know a little bit about jazz. I spilled it, I spilled it all out, right? <laughs> and they said to me, Ingrid, we could teach you chess, but can you work with children? And I was like, oh yeah, for sure. So, you know, went through a couple scenarios and they were quite impressed with me. They were like, we'd love to have you. And so there my kind of teaching chess began. And I taught primarily children in senior kindergarten, grade one, grade two. So very young. And I was I was like the gateway to chess, like introducing them to how the pieces move generally and then moving maybe to some of the basic fundamentals of like how to attack, how to defend. Um, but and what was this? Were you volunteering in, a, in school? No, this-, this was an interview for a job. So I worked for a company in Toronto and I went from school to school, lunchtime after school. Um teaching chess while I have my, you know, Helena baby website up and selling carriers. Right. So I was like, but what this allowed me was time also with my daughter. And what I loved is I asked them, Hey, could I bring my daughter with me to, to, to the class and to, to chess? And they're like, yeah. So this was awesome. <laughs> I could teach chess. I could be with my daughter. She could meet other children. I loved it. Um, And so as I began teaching, I started to really get creative in the way I taught. I started to like wear like, you know, not full out costumes, but, you know, put crowns on my head and have like a different tone of voice when I was the queen or when I was the king or and I just saw how much the children loved it. And my programs grew and grew and grew. (laughs) And I was just full of joy every single time I left. A classroom. And, uh, but there were a couple things I noticed. Um, there was always more boys in chess than girls. And boys often dominated the space because they had more experience with chess than girls and they were more confident than girls. And I would constantly have to create space for girls to express themselves, you know, or stop the boys. I'm, no, 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 let her speak. Hold on. I asked her, you know, and give time, give space. Because with chess, 
you have to give children space. They have to calculate. They have to think, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to be okay with that uh, uh, silence. <laughs> Sometimes people want to fill it. It's like, don't, don't fill it. Let them calculate. And um, so that was, you know, and I, I didn't really feel like there was anything I can do but give space. Um, and then, you know, in the company I worked for, it was, I don't know, I don't know the, the number, but maybe like let's say 20 men to four women. And I was the mother. I was the only mother teaching chess. Everybody else were young guys or young girls and uh, not giving away my age, but, you know, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and so one of the guys thought it was OK. And he said that out, he actually texted it to one of the other um, team members. And he said, oh gosh, he goes, girls shouldn't play chess when they're on their periods. Oh my God. He said that and he texted it and he just, he just thought it was okay. Like, you know, as, as okay as saying, I need a cup of water. And we brought this to the, the board because, you know, I have now two daughters and to have somebody with this mindset teaching my daughter was very scary to me. And they acted on it, but it was quite slow how they acted. And for me, this is like immediate dismissal. Like there's no question, but they didn't do that. And that created a little fire in me. And that is when I was like, you know what? I need to create a space just for girls to learn chess. Because let's face it, if any girl or woman wants to learn chess, she has to enter a male-dominated space because chess is a male-dominated game. And uh, I said to my partner, hey, do you think this is a good idea? We're on our way camping to Algonquin Park. (laughs) I remember he was pumping gas as I was thinking about this. And when he came inside, I asked him inside the car, and he's like, yeah, I think that's an awesome idea. And so we, um, I already knew how to work online with, with chess and whatnot, but I still, you know, I never ran my own program. And so I created a pilot program and I shared with a large Facebook group that I'm doing chess for girls. And if anybody has any girls that are interested in chess, and I had all these women say, I never learned. I never learned. Do you teach women? Do you teach women? And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I wasn't even thinking about adults initially, right? I'm so child focused. And I was like, uh, and there's too many people asking me. So I was like, took, I was like, yes, I took all their information and created a group with, I started with adults and, um, <laughs> we called it chess and wine. Um, now I know it's probably not the best to promote alcohol with anything, but you know, some, some people just want a glass of wine and learn chess. So we had a women's group and we did, we learned chess together. And three weeks later, the Queen's Gambit came out. Oh, the movie on Netflix. Yes. I had no idea. And that's about a young girl. Was it like the fifties or sixties or something? Yeah. Chess player. In the chess world. And had to overcome lots of stuff. You got it. So that came out three weeks. But what a role model. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that she did she didn't need anyone. She just did her thing, you know, and she dominated. So that was that was awesome to see in the chess world. And and so when that came out, 
I knew I was on the right path. Like, oh my goodness. So my partner and I, my partner, Patrick, he's my partner in life and partner in the business. Um, we decided to launch Girl Boss Chess. That's what we called it, Girl Boss Chess, in January 20, oh my goodness, 21, right? 2021, yeah. And Middle of the pandemic. Yes, yes, exactly. And when we launched the business, um, so many reporters wanted to interview us because it was a hot topic, right? That um, the Queen's Gambit and we're an all-female chess company. So that in itself allowed many girls to come into our program. And that's basically how it all started. Wow, <laughs> that's really exciting. What's the link between chess and science and math? And and as I ask this question, I, I want you to know, I used to play a lot of chess as a kid and I was pretty good. I was on the school team, but I was never any good at science or math. Okay. So chess is a mathematically based game. So it's math. You have to, do you know the pieces are also valued at different points? Did you know that? Oh, sure. Three and yeah. Five, nine and one. Right. So you you need to also. <laughs> the king is invaluable. He has the no. The king, power. exactly. Or he's just worth all that. He's worth the whole game. Right. Right. A little sexist there. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I know. I know. But she, the queen's the most powerful piece on the chessboard. So that's okay. Which is actually a really interesting dynamic that, that, that I used to think a lot about. That you can't play without the king, but the queen has all the power. Uh, yeah, that is kind of interesting, isn't it? Do you know initially, though, in chess, there was no queen on the chessboard when it was first created? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So the person next to the king was called the uh, vizier. And he was uh, the person who helped the king make decisions. And he could only move one step diagonally. And it wasn't until chess went to Europe that people would name the person beside the the king the queen right because they're european like the kingdom like this is the person that has to be the queen standing next to the the king and so um they called it the queen and but the queen could only still move one step diagonal and it wasn't till when a lot of queens especially queen isabella um of spain she became incredibly powerful and it was also around that time the queen became on the chessboard became powerful and can move as many squares as she wants as many squares in any direction yeah. and that's because of queen isabella having some agency in her life you got it she chose her husband she <laughs> even said you know when we get married as a prenup i rule my land you rule yours like this was somebody that was not your typical woman back in those times. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, it is kind of wild. Um, but yeah, chess is a mathematically based game, and uh, and especially you know it's it, we we do do math when we do chess when we teach the girls uh, chess, especially when we teach them about the twofold attack, and that what what that is is when. A piece is being attacked twice, but defended once. And so we say, okay, if, you know, we capture this, how many points do we get? Uh-huh. Now, would it make sense if we capture back? 
But if, you know, so we do like a lot of like, how many points would you get? How many points would you lose? Do you gain points for this? Do you lose points to this? Is this a fair exchange? You're always calculating no matter what. And you're problem solving. You're consistently problem solving. Just like math. Like science. Just like life. (laughs) (laughs) I problem solving the minute I get up. I mean... (laughs) And, and, and how did you come to fold math, science, and, and, and engineering into the, the chess program to create STEM the Gap Academy? So <clears throat> we wanted to, a couple things. First of all, we wanted to impact as many girls as possible. And so having one topic or one subject um, wouldn't allow us to do that. So, But also we listened to what people would say you know, and they they and people would say, "Thank you, girl boss chess. You've been amazing. We love you." Okay, bye. I'm like, bye. I can't keep you because I don't have anything else to offer you. And so, you know, as a when you have a company, you really have to listen to what people say, pay attention. People are also asking, do you do in person? Do you do in person? Now the pandemic has calmed down a bit. And because chess is a social game, which is understandable. And so we had to fill in other subjects that's also not a social game because we are online predominantly. We've had some in-person experiences and that has been also amazing. And I'll continue to do that in Ottawa because this is now my home. But in order to reach as many girls as possible and get the best educators as possible, online is the best. And I just want to say teaching online versus teaching in person is quite different because I've done both for a long time. And in person, you deal with a lot of behavior. You deal with like, okay, move away. No, are you talking? Okay, come here. Oh, you have to go to the bathroom, bring your buddy. Then they leave. They miss half the class. All this, you know, classroom management. Online, there's none of that. The the children are focused. Probably because they have their parents breathing down their back. But the children are focused. And also, too, all the... Um, studies are pre-programmed in the computer. So when I click to the next screen, I write screen, I already have pieces set up on the chessboard versus having to take pieces and physically set things up, which is time consuming. So, right. yeah. Very cool. Can you give us uh, sort of a, a state of the art on uh, what, STEM the Gap Academy is now? How big are you? Uh, what are you growing into? What is your sort of reach? Yes. So initially with Girl Boss Chess, we were very sweet. Like, you know, we want to empower girls and, you know, build confidence, which is what we want to do. But um, we decided to be a little edgier because when we think about, you know, STEM, we understand that, you know, it's male dominated and, you know, there's a lot of misogyny happening in the STEM STEM field. And we want to kind of call it out. We kind of want to prepare girls for 
what they're going to enter into the world. And, you know, um, we kind of say we're not playing nice anymore. You know, we're, we're kind of calling it as it is. Um, hence our uh, campaign we just um, had called Call It Out, and where our educators and others shared about their experiences uh, that they've had where they were treated unfairly um, because they were a woman. And, you know, these stories, even when I shared with you about what that guy said at my workplace, I didn't share that story before. I was silent about it. And it's, it's, and so many women are silent about their, their experiences. And um, because of, I guess we're conditioned to keep quiet and just move on. Well, it's such a negative, flattening story. So I, maybe it takes a little bit of time to figure out how you use a story. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and also, too, though, I'm like, why am I protecting this person? It's, I'm not in the wrong. This person's in the wrong. And so we, we've we kind of taken a, a, a different approach in that sense where we're, we're teaching girls um, in, in a... Not like we're not saying to them, hey, when you go in this environment, this is what's going to happen to you. We're not saying it like this. For the younger girls, you know, because we start from our youngest students age four, um, but on an average, our youngest girls are about seven years old. And what we do to prepare them um, for the world is we don't just teach them skills but we build confidence through how we teach them. And we also discuss a variety of topics. So it's like, we might talk about self-worth. We might talk about what's anxiety. How does it feel in your body? Where does it go? How do you deal with it? Right? We start to have these conversations. This is kind of how we prepare them. And then We've had conversations seven years seven year olds normally have with with adults. I don't think. No, no, not normally. Depends on the household, right? I didn't grow up in a household. I didn't even know what anxiety was <laughs> until a couple of years ago. Like there were no names for feelings because I didn't grow up in a, a household where we discussed our feelings or what's going on. And it's inc- we have incredible conversations when we listen to these girls and they're like, I feel it here, or this is what happens to me, or I don't like to, you know, talk to people or I start to read or, you know, and, and we, we even teach them how to breathe, you know, (laughs) something so simple, but so important. So this is what I'm saying in the sense that we prepare them. Um, And we also share with the older girls, we'll, we'll share our stories you know, how we were treated unfairly and how it happens. And actually one of our, um, one of our girls just went to a tournament. She was the only girl and boys were making fun of her. Um, and she was, she's already experiencing it. And what is she like 11 or something like that? You know, it's, it's real. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So do you have uh, a number of different classes and courses going on at the same time now? Are you offering mm-hmm. 
you know, chess girl, science girl, math girl, digital girl? Yes. So under chess girl, we offer chess classes. Um, under digital girl, we offer coding, website design, and we have um, a class called digital street smarts. And what that is, it's education for girls and their parents how to navigate the digital world safely. Um, Because we teach our children how to be safe on the in the physical world outside in the streets. But then we give them a laptop and we disappear and we have no idea what they're doing on it. And so we educate about how to keep children safe um, and also how to take information and understand if this is information to, is it a truth or is it, is it a fact or is it an opinion, you know, really helping them understand that. Then in the math girl, we have one-on-one tutoring and science girl is more of a B2B business right now. We teach space science. And so we are we like, we've partnered with, um, like, for example, organization called Girls Inc. And we're starting, we're launching a space science program next week where we're going to teach girls about, you know, um, the planets and galaxies and stars and rockets. Have uh, girls from, women from the space industry come and talk to them as guest speakers, exoplanets. Um, and then we're going to talk about women in the space industry and careers in the space industry. So, yeah, that's what we're doing. That's all we're doing. Just a few things. Fantastic. And do you work with schools or are you just sort of an after school independent supplier? We work with anyone who wants to empower their girls through STEM. So currently we have a partnership with a museum called Ingenium. And uh, we are we, we ran just our um, uh, camp at the Science and Technology Museum because Ingenium has agriculture, uh, sp- uh, space and aviation, or and and um, science and technology. And so we are partners with them. They've been an amazing partnership because they themselves want to encourage more girls into STEM. And they loved what we were doing. And yeah, so they have been sending their members this way. And uh, that has been incredible. And then we partner with the Girl Scouts of America. We are definitely um, in line with what they're doing. They have different badges that the girls have to earn. They have coding badges. They have cybersecurity badges. They have games badges, space science badges. So we help them, the girls, to gain their badges. Uh, We also work with Girls Inc. Um, And where we would love to work with more schools, that's a little bit harder to get into, but we are definitely open and willing to. And then, yeah, we have the, the public. Wow. And can you tell us about the, I mean, it sounds like a deal with the Girl Scouts of America um, has a lot of opportunity wrapped in it. Can you tell us anything about how that how that arrangement came about? 
Yeah, the Girl Scouts of America have 17.5 million Girl Scouts. <laughs> and uh, a hundred and over like 120 councils. And if, you know, their mission is obviously to empower these girls and, and give them experiences, like incredible experiences. And they loved what we're doing. And so I basically approached councils and shared what I'm doing and they've, you know, approved and I'm still working through the councils because there's no way I've hit all of them. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, if they like what you're doing and they feel that you're a good fit, then they will allow you to help empower their girls and gain their badges. Yeah. And I think you have something extra to bring them simply because we, we were through those two or three years of COVID stops organizations like guiding and scouting cold and then they have to restart having lost three years of of, of people for the first time ever um, gives them a chance to think hey we've got to you know jump right into the deep end here in order to rebuild the to rebuild our program and appeal to people who spent so much of their young lives alone in front of the computer so sounds like you have a lot to give I think we have a ton to give, especially our team. Like our team is so knowledgeable, so diverse, and we care so much. We're not just, you know, again, a business that's helping girls with skills, but we're helping them with confidence and role models. And we really think deeply about how we teach them. Like when educators, when I hire educators, they go through a program of how to talk to girls. Like I'm that specific. We're not allowed to call, first of all, girls guys, because this is a bad habit in our society. So we call girls girls. We, you know, when a girl, when she tries, we really compliment her on her efforts more than the result. Because when you focus on the result, of children, they stop trying. It creates a fixed mindset. So you say, I really love the effort you put in. This is incredible. It makes them want to keep going. But if you're like, this is great, you know, like look at the the mark you got. Like you're so smart. It just it creates that fixed mindset, like I'm smart. Right? Um, so that's really important. Um, if if a girl gets like she tries and her answer's wrong. We never say no or that's wrong. What we do is we we say, okay, let's explore this for her to see where she went wrong, for her to tell us it's wrong. So through all these little, they're subtle, but they're powerful. We really, really um, support and encourage girls. I, I think one of the best texts I ever received was from a parent who says, we'll call her Mary. Um, she said, Mary now knows it's okay to put her hand up even if she's wrong with her answers. Because she this, this child would not answer because I think she always felt like she might be wrong and she didn't want to feel embarrassed. But now she knows it's okay. And that to me is everything because she'll take that with, us, with her for, through her whole life. Because I didn't, put, I didn't put my hand up when I was young because of those same reasons. <laughs> I, me too. Right? 
And then once the person answered, you're like, oh, that was what I was going to say. <laughs> wow. Uh, the website says, we're raising a generation of girls who are skillful, but who are also fierce, persistent, resilient, and hopeful to be a part of the future. Um, that the, That's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and what an exciting thing uh, to be a part of. You had a chess camp in Ottawa back in the March break. We did. Yeah, yeah. How, how did that go? Oh, my gosh. I'm getting goosebumps as, as I'm talking about it because it was incredibly beautiful, I have to say. So um, at the Canadian uh, Science and Technology Museum, uh, or in, in Genium in general, they haven't had an outside partner. Like, this was big for them to run a camp. Never in the history. The history the history of the the whole business and they trusted us and we knocked their socks off. (laughs) We had a beautiful group of about 24 girls who all love chess. And so we called it a chess and empowerment camp because it wasn't just chess. It was also, we did empowerment activities and the girls made friends. We did, these incredible activities that were created by our our lead, our camp our, our camp counselor lead Emily Robinson. We did, um, for example, like this one activity called "Whose Job Is It Anyways?" And we had, um, you know, these images of, of careers, and we had to cat the girls had to categorize them whether how society typically views them. Is it a job for men? Is it a job for women? Is it a job for both? And then they discuss reasons why. Those are really interesting to hear. And what I loved was these girls knew that they can do anything. They knew that, you know, men and women could be nurses or men and women could be professional athletes. They know, they're aware though, that it's predominantly men who are, who are professional athletes or seen on the television and women who are nurses. They're, they're so aware, this generation, which is very exciting. Um, we also did like a really cool activity where the girls were given um, different types of materials to build the highest tower and some girls got blocks where other girls got paper and popsicle sticks and they're like what how are we supposed to do this this is not fair you know (laughs) but some girls were like it was incredible because one girl even built an incredibly high tower out of pipe cleaners and versus the blocks so it was interesting how girls used what they had to create the reality and we taught them about inequality how some people are born into privilege. Some people are not. You can't choose, you know, your skin color. You can't, there's a lot of things you can't choose. And this is what this exercise taught them. So, yeah, it was. And then we went to the museum and played and just like, they just went crazy. So, yeah, that was a really positive experience. And um, I'm forming kind of a once a month meetup now where girls come and play chess and we do an empowerment exercise, kind of a mini version of that in two hours. And we're doing that um, once a month, every month, except for July, August, we'll take a break right now. And then we start that again in September. And we'll definitely do another March break 
uh, the following year. Right. Uh, it sounds like you're having way too much fun at work. I can't believe this is my job. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk as business owners for a minute. I mean, you're doing so many interesting things and obviously the work is so important, but how do you scale this up? How do you have an impact beyond Ottawa and, and you know, a, a few girl scout offices in various parts of the country? So this is the benefit of online business. I can reach anyone anywhere. So now that we have kind of a model with um, our museum here in Ottawa, we want to partner. Our, our goal is to partner with many more museums and many more organizations that are empowering girls. So that's really, you know, um, and I can do that because, again, because we're online, uh, as far as finding educators, um, we have a large team of educators. So we just, we're able to scale. We're able to do all of that. If it was a physical business, then I think that would be a lot harder. Right. I think museums are an interesting partner to talk about. My experience with museums, and I love museums, I love going to museums, um, but they're mostly empty um, other than during school days mm-hmm. <laughs> or when they have an exhibition of Picasso or, <laughs> or yeah. something that they put together for the past five years. And, and then suddenly everybody pours in and they can only stay an hour. Um, so it's, it's feast or famine, but mostly famine. Um, they have so many, so, so many cool spaces, so much great information and inspiration to share. But, you know, the average family probably goes to the art gallery once every, I don't know, three, four, five, six years, or the science museum. Every city in North America has a science museum that's not very busy, um, except maybe rainy, rainy Sundays. So are, are you finding that the, 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 they need these ideas? They need the, 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 this kind of uh, programming. So are, are you finding that, 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 that they look like they're going to be willing partners? Well, I think in any type of partnership, you have to find that cheerleader, that person that's cheering you on and really loves what you're doing. So it is kind of finding someone that's going to listen to you. Um, Going to the top, it's very important, not the bottom. Um, When you have an idea, it's going to the CEO because then that CEO, they like the idea, they'll pass you to the next person and they have to kind of do it. But if you go to somebody who's, you know, um, directing or, or doing, you know, might be in charge of programs, they might, they have to sell your idea to the CEO. So you're giving your, you're allowing somebody else to sell it for you. Well, that is another piece of advice I have learned. You go to the top always. Um, and you know, whoever is going to be right for this is going to be right for this. Um, there's plenty of museums throughout the world. So again, it's worldwide. We are global. Mm-hmm. So we're not limited to just a couple museums. And we're not limited to, you know, again, it being in the physical space. Because really what we're saying is share your memberships. Share your memberships with us and we will impact them, create an impact, 
And, you know, we obviously have a, a, um, a partnership where, you know, there's going to be a certain percentage that's going to go back to them, but it's a turnkey operation. Do you have a, a, a story for us about how you get through to the CEO? You say go to the yeah. top. Okay. They have built a fence around them to keep you from getting there. Okay. So I've been taught this by my partner, Patrick Cavanaugh. He is so good. So this is the secret. This is the key, I think. And it's worked really well for me and for him is I first, I go to LinkedIn and I find the CEO and I connect with them, but I don't just connect. I find a few words that are impactful. So for example, if I'm going to the Girl Scouts or something, uh, I'll find that person. I'll say, um, I'd love to be an ally in empowering your girls. Who's going to say no to that? (laughs) Come on. They're there to empower girls. And I'm telling you, I want to like, you know, I want to be there to help you empower your girls. So you know, they generally accept. And then I leave it for some time. I don't just rush to it. I leave it. I also research the company. You research the person and you research the company. You have to do your homework. So then you find something about the person and about the company that really resonates with you. And then you connect with them. Like You've already connected. So you share another message saying like, I noticed, you know, that you're doing this and this is so great. I I've had, you know, an experience doing, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you, you, you show that you're doing, you've done your research and then you, you share that and usually they'll respond and then you kind of leave it again and then you can share what you're doing. So that's one way. If they don't respond at all, then you go email and, or sometimes they will connect with you, but then that's it. They don't continue the conversation. So then you can email and say, thank you for connecting with me. And then you can share, but it has to really be personal. It cannot be robotic. We know those robotic emails, don't we? We just, we just look at it and hit delete. Um, so it has to really, for me, it comes from my heart and, you know, and, and how I really care. I really want to, and, and also just kind of what's working for us to show like, Hey, we've partnered with other museums. This is our formula and we've impacted this many of girls. Right. And yeah, that's kind of my advice. Beautiful. That's good. Uh, Great advice. Thank Patrick for me. How do you think, uh, what, what kind of, of impact do you hope to be making? And do you think you're making with these young girls? How do you think it will manifest in their lives in the future? I hope that we can impact girls confidence. Confidence is huge between the ages of 18 and 14, girls' confidence levels fall by 30%. That's huge. And the thing is, it's it's hard. It's hard as a girl to have confidence. It's hard as a woman to have confidence. And um, 
So we want to we want to help girls with confidence, and we also want to help girls know and understand that they can do it. That STEM is for them, and that's through representation. I think representation is massive. We I know as a young girl, I didn't have a, an older woman who was like a leader who who told me I can do it or showed me different ways I can activities I can involve myself in. My mother is always working, right? So I think having a role model is important. So I hope these girls can see themselves in us and know that they can do it. And, you know, they, they have that confidence and resiliency that, you know, through how we talk to them and teach them that they take a bit of, of what they've learned with us throughout their lives. And again, I see that I see these girls are, are, they are fierce and I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing and I'm, I'm loving the, you know, I love teaching and watching girls transition throughout the class. I see for myself, their confidence grows. And that alone, again, is just, it's, it's everything. Because without confidence, you could have skill. You could be the highest skilled person. But imagine if you have no confidence. How right. far are you going to go? But you'll go further with confidence and, and, and little skill, which you can develop. As you're talking, I suddenly remembered this movie, and I just looked it up now because I couldn't remember the title, but I remember the impact it had on me. Hidden figures about the women in the background. They were mostly women of color at NASA, who in the days before supercomputers did all the math that got the astronauts off the ground and into space. And that was such an empowering yep mind shaking eye opening movie uh, to see is that part of your curriculum at all is that part of yes we yes yes we actually when we teach girls about the queen we talk about the eight queens of stem and we teach them about Katherine Johnson or Hedy Lamar or yeah yeah so we go through eight different queens that we've chosen Who've, who's made who've made an impact and the girls actually get excited because maybe they've heard about them before or maybe you know somebody's an astronaut right Roberta right we talk about her you know um, and they're like I want to be an astronaut you know so we do talk about um, women in STEM and what they've done and their stories yeah and it's so great these stories are getting told now so that you know you can you have this material that's, that's accessible and exciting and tells, tells exciting stories. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I just wanted to say it's not the confidence gap. It's the confidence code um, by Caddy K and Claire Shipman. And this book ha is incredible. So if it, I just wanted to share if anybody is ever interested in reading it, I highly, highly recommend it. If you're working with girls, you have girls and you're, you know, confidence is an issue. And this That's is right. so it's uh, called the confidence really code. Awesome. The Very confidence cool. code. All yeah. right. Um, second last question. From your experience as an entrepreneur, what's something that you've learned in this adventure that you wish you knew when you were a young girl? Oof. Something I've learned. From your entrepreneurial adventures. 
<laughs> it kind of comes again down to confidence in a way. Um, I think sometimes I can, or being hard on myself, I think. Um, well, that's the thing about entrepreneurs, right? They put up their hands without knowing the answer to the question. <laughs> I know, right? I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I'll do it, I'll, but I'll take a shot, which is you know, what I think we need a lot more of. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Cause as a little girl, I feel like I just didn't have so much awareness um, and understanding to trust myself and what I'm doing. Um, I think I've learned to really, I think I've learned to trust myself. Um, wow. I, I, and even just, in the last little bit, like I was more hard on myself than ever before, but I'm starting to lighten up on myself and realize I'm just human, <laughs> you know, and we make mistakes. And this is really, really about the journey. You know, of course I have goals and there's things I want to do and, but just not to be so heavy on this, be a little lighter and enjoy my family and not try to work every moment. It's all going to be okay. Um, and to trust. Yeah, I, I would say. Beautiful. All right. We've been talking with Ingrid Gale, the founder and CEO at STEM the Gap Academy in Ottawa. An amazing journey you're on, and I can't wait to, to follow you on it. Final question for you. Uh -oh. Any final words of wisdom or advice that you want to share with Canadian entrepreneurs have a plan of what you want to do because it's very easy and exciting to focus on the tactics. That's what I have to say. It's the first thing I said, and I'm going to close with that because it's that Absolutely. important. And when I was reading the testimonials uh, that, that, that some of your clients have said, um, that's a theme that comes up again and again, that, uh, that about thinking about what you're doing and, and having a plan and executing that plan. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's so important. It's like you, it's like I always tell my girls when they're playing chess, I'm like, don't forget, where's the king? How are you going to get to him? Because they get so caught up in what's happening right there, but forgetting about what is your strategy? How are you planning to get there? Right. And I think it's, it's, it's much harder. And this is why I think we just, you know, we, we always go on the path of least resistance and we'd like to do the fun things, but this is like the, the harder thing, but it will, it will help you. It will definitely help you with your goal. Right. All right. Ingrid, thank you so much for this conversation, for sharing your journey and for the incredible work you're doing. And we wish you incredible success uh, in what you're doing and in growing this program. If anybody is interested, please go to stemthegapacademy.com. We do have um, complimentary sessions where you can come and experience coding or website design or chess, you know, or math. And you can come and meet us and have the experience and see if it's for you. And thank you also for demonstrating how to end a conversation. <laughs> that was beautifully done too. A lot of science and engineering in that. Yes. Thank you, Ingrid. All the best. 
Thank you, Richard. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence. <laughs>